Welcome into the final Diamond Vols podcast of 2022. I am Ben McKee, joined as always by Eric Kane on a Monday morning after Tennessee season comes to an end. Tennessee loses seven to three to Notre Dame. Eric, it was a fun ride. We'll, we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll, we'll give some general thoughts on the season on on the weekend, but. But first, let's talk about this game. And to me, it boiled down to the seventh inning. Chase Burns gives up two home runs. In that inning, Notre Dame takes a a 5-4 lead. Next inning, the eighth inning, Notre Dame tacks on three more runs. Or I guess Notre Dame took a 4-3 lead, not a 5-4 lead. 4-3 lead. Notre Dame then tacks on three runs in the eighth to make it a 7-3 game. And I just think that took the the wind out of Tennessee's sails at that point. No, it certainly did. And especially when you go to the bottom half of inning number eight, you have the heart of your order up. You have Jordan Beck, you have Drew Gilberts, and you have Trey Lipscomb. And Beck strikes out, Gilbert reaches on an error, and then is thrown out at second base. And then Lipscomb pops out. And again, like when it went out in that secession, I guess, in the bottom of the eighth inning, I'm just kind of sitting there like, Man, I mean, I'm not putting it past this team to score four in the bottom of the ninth, but I mean, I mean, come on, like you know, you needed something there from the heart of your order, and no doubt, I mean, the, the game is the seventh inning, uh, three runs uh, there for Notre Dame, and you know, we we can debate, and I, I know we're about to talk about about Chase Burns, and you know, when should he have come out? When should Tony have gone to the bullpen and all that? But ultimately, Notre Dame won the game there in the uh, in the in the seventh inning, and give Notre Dame credit, they came back, they're a good team. You know, we said this on the round the horn, um, they have good pitching. Uh, their their lineup is good enough to if you let them hang around they can come back and beat you and that's that's what happened unfortunately for Tennessee on Sunday but major disappointment obviously uh, but it was a late rally six unearned or six unanswered runs for Notre Dame and innings seven and eight combined and uh, that's where you you left off the final score of seven to three yes it, it was not a fun final three innings to watch I mean Tennessee going into the seventh inning nine outs away from Omaha and I, I tweeted that uh, because Chase Burns had put together a, a one, two, three, fifth inning, a one, two, three, sixth inning. And a, after the top of the sixth inning, I, I tweeted out uh, Chase Burns is on cruise control, Tennessee nine outs away from, from Omaha. And it, it certainly felt like Tennessee was on the verge of, of going to Omaha. It, it was only a two run game. So you, you did have the, the thought in the back of your mind, that, okay, you know Notre Dame's going to try to make a, a late rally. This is a, a good baseball team that Tennessee's going to have to put to bed. But, again, Chase Burns was on cruise control. You still had Redmond Walsh. You still had uh, Camden Sewell. You still had Kirby Connell. You, you technically had Drew Beam. You had a lot of options. Uh, Will Mabry could have pitched if need be. Uh, you, you felt really good about Tennessee's chances to close out that game with the way Burns was pitching, with what you had available in the bullpen, to just get nine outs. And it certainly did not play out that way. Uh, let, let's talk about that seventh inning. Uh, Chase Burns strikes out Jared Miller to to start the inning. And then Carter Putts, the Notre Dame first baseman who had a really good weekend, he hits a one-out double to left center field, which brings the tying run to the plate. And – when that double happened, it felt, okay, th- this is the inning that is going to dictate the outcome of this game more likely than not. And Jack Ziska, 
who just absolutely terrorized Tennessee all weekend. Chase Burns gets him to pop out. And at that point, there's a runner on second with two outs. And you're thinking, oh, man, Tennessee's about to get out of this jam. So let's start the Tony Vitello conversation there. Just a quick assessment. You agree not pulling Chase Burns before the two-run home run because after he got that second out, after he got Ziska to pop out, that's when David Lamana hit the two-run home run into the bullpen. I don't, I don't think there's any way that, that Tony Vitello, with the way Chase Burns had been pitching up until the two-run home run that tied it, he, he'd given up. He made one mistake in like the last three innings, and it was the double. And, and then he comes back after the double and gets Notre Dame's best hitter that weekend, Ziska, to pop up for the second out. I don't think there's any question that Burns should have been able and been allowed to, which was obviously the decision, to pitch to Lamana. I, I think it's ludicrous to think that Tony should have pulled him before the two-run home run. Well, yeah, here's where I'll differ from you. Um, absolutely take him, back, take him back out there for the seventh because, as you mentioned, one, two, three in the fifth, one, two, three in the sixth. He was on cruise control, and he, he looked really, really good. Um, but I would have entered the seventh inning with a, with at least one guy hot and ready to come in. And at the first sign of someone getting on base, I would have taken I would have taken Burns out. And, of course, look at me sitting here on a Monday and looking back and, and saying this is what I would do. I mean, it's easy, right? Um, that's what I would have done because, you know, Brent Hubbs mentioned this, you know, when I spoke to him earlier today that, you know, Burns hadn't thrown. You know, he finished with 92 pitches, I believe. He hadn't thrown anywhere close to that since April the 24th, I believe. So it's been well over a month because, of course, he's been coming out of the bullpen, a little bit of a different role, and we've talked about that. And um, you were kind of playing with house money. Like, you were hoping to get, you know, five, six innings out of Burns, and he was he was fantastic, and he gave you he had you in position to win, and he was rolling, so don't take him out. Of course, his pitch count was fine entering the seventh. That's all, that's all great, but I would have had somebody hot and ready to roll, and so – in retrospect, I mean, I would have went there, and as soon as you had that ground rule double, that's when I would have taken Burns um, out of the baseball game. And I definitely, you know, would have taken him out after the game-tying home run. Um, and I think that's where we'll both agree for sure. It just sucks, too, because he had such a good outing, and he had Tennessee in position to win this game. And you, And it even hurts more because, as we've mentioned, you had a loaded bullpen. You had a rested bullpen and so many guys available. So that's where I would differ. Um, but ultimately, the decision was to leave him in for a couple more batters, and then he exits the game to Cannon Sewell um, after the second home run. Yeah, I, I respectfully completely disagree. I, I just don't he, – he had been on cruise control. He, he was dominating Notre Dame. I mean, especially, too, I, I didn't even – one double. I didn't even mention this, too. Like, after the double, it, it steps in their best hitter as well, right? And so um, – if you had someone ready to roll, that's when I would have went. Um, because again, it, it give, it, to Burns' credit, he got him out, and, and that was a huge second out of the inning. And you were an out away, and you had a runner in scoring position and all that. But if I was making the calls, that's when I would have uh, made the call for sure. And Tennessee did have somebody hot and ready to go. Camden Sewell and Kirby were both ready in the bullpen to come in the game. But I, I agree with with not going to the bullpen in that instance because again, he was dominating Notre Dame. For, for several innings in a row, Jared Miller, who had been very pesky all weekend long, he, he terrorized Tennessee all weekend long, which is funny because entering the weekend, the question from the Notre Dame standpoint is, are they going to play Jared Miller, who had been banged up and, and the veteran and, and kind of struggling, or are they going to play the true freshman? We talked about that on the preview podcast. They roll with the veteran, Jared Miller, and he had a great weekend. And Burns strikes him out to start the seventh inning, 
after Burns had just dominated the last couple of innings. So I, I, I don't think you can overreact to just one pitch, especially when his his pitch count was in a good place. It's not like he gave up the one one out double when he had already thrown a hundred pitches at that point. Uh, so I, I completely disagree respectfully, obviously uh, about going to the bullpen, just because I, I really did think that chase was pitching well. And, and look, the, the pitch on the double was a worse pitch than the pitch on the home run. Uh, and that's just how baseball works and kind of the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about just how, so much can go wrong for you in the game of baseball. He actually made a pretty decent pitch on the two-run home run, and it was more of Chase Burns getting Lindsey Nelson stadiumed than Chase Burns just melting down. He made a decent pitch, and a guy who has one home run in 137 at-bats up until that point bloops one into the bullpen. And it's pretty ironic that Notre Dame, in a sense, uh, downplayed – Tennessee's power because of the stadium it plays in and Notre Dame hit seven home runs on the weekend all six of the seven were without a doubt bona fide home runs the one that wasn't was the one that got Notre Dame back into the game and and tied the game so I, I don't think that Tony should have pulled him before that home run but going into the Jack Brannigan at bat I, I don't hate the move to allow Burns to pitch to Brannigan in that moment. And again, Jack Brannigan, who was right after LaMana, uh, it was back-to-back home runs. Again, I don't hate the decision to let Chase pitch because, again, he's still pitching well, and he just kind of got Lindsey Nelson Stadium. It's not like he had just grooved a fastball right down the middle of the plate. Uh, I, I do think you have to have some context there. But – after Brannigan hits one deep enough to be a home run that was just foul, that's when he he Tony should have made the decision to go to the bullpen. And he's he's gone out there in the middle of at bats often this season. So it, it would not have been weird to see Tony do so. And and Tony admitted so after the game that after he hit the the foul home run, that the home run that was foul, that's probably when I should have no doubt pulled Chase from the game. Yeah, I just look at it like again. You're kind of and it's it's like I'm talking about Chase Burns, like he's a guy that um <laughs> that's never gone deep into games and hasn't started many games. I mean, Chase Burns is a freshman, not all American. He's a he was the Friday night starter for this team for so long, and he's I mean, he was fantastic this year. I mean, gosh, I mean, count your blessings. You're getting Beam Burns and, and of course Dolander back next year for sure. It's just his last month, the way he's been worked, how his pitch count hasn't gotten anywhere close to that. Um, I would have still rode with him fifth inning, sixth inning, of course. And I would have definitely brought him back out for the seventh inning because he was dealing. Um, I would just have, I mean, I would have had a guy hot and ready to roll. And, you know, as soon as, as soon as somebody got on base with a two run game, that's when I would have made the move. But ultimately, I mean, we can all disagree on it. And, and a lot of other people have this, you know, will be on one side of the fence on it or, or the other. At the end of the day, the move was to keep him in there. There, there was no move. <laughs> the move was to keep him there, I guess. And he finally goes to Camden Sewell after the the second home run, and um, and then you just kind of pile on there. Of course, Kirby comes in, and 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 they get three more in the eighth as well. And and at that point, it's just kind of, it's just so deflating, right? Because you were feeling great. Seth Stevenson had a fantastic game. Luke Lipschitz got got you on the board there with that home run in the first. Uh, Stevenson drove in two runs. Burns was dealing. Just the complete and it, again, it's baseball. The complete momentum of the game just snap of the fingers. You know, went away, and it the the tide turned 
you know, for the rest of the way. And it, it felt like Tennessee just, you know, those outs were diminishing too. And you, you didn't have much left. And you had to, you had to race a four run deficit, score five to take the lead. And it just kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. I, I, the, the main point that I am trying to make and just judging off of what I've seen on social media and what I've seen on the message board is that people will, will disagree. Uh, but my, my general thought on the, the Tony Vitello, Chase Burns situation decision is that yes, he, he probably should have made the, the move to go to Camden Sewell or, or Kirby Cannell out of the bullpen to finish off the at bat against Brannigan a, after the foul home run. But that's not why Tennessee lost the game. It, it is not why Tennessee lost the game. It, to me, that was just more un, more about unfortunate baseball luck and, and getting Lindsey Nelson stadiumed than just horrible baseball decisions, which is what people are trying to make it out to be. And, and here's the other thing, and, and we'll touch on this in a second. The offense was pitiful. Absolutely pitiful all game long outside of Jordan Beck, Luke Lipsius, and Seth Stevenson. Outside of those three, and Jared Dickey had a single. I, I actually I, I disliked that decision more than the decision to, to leave Chase Burns in when Jared Dickey singles in the sixth inning, I believe it was. Yes, Jared Dickey singles in, in the sixth inning with one out. I did not like Tony Pinch running Ethan Payne in that moment because I, I thought that you still needed Dickey's bat in the lineup for at least one more at bat. And then after you pinch run, Ethan Payne, Evan Russell immediately grounds into a double play <laughs> to completely yep. spoil that move. I, I get trying to get Dickey off the bases, but at that at that point, you're still leading. It's still a close game. You're, you're going to need Dickey's bat later in the game at least one more time. I would have held off on pinch running for him at, at least one more at bat. I dislike that move more than I disliked leaving Burns in there. Uh, so that, that's what I'm trying to speak to real quick, Eric, is just, yes, Tony probably should have uh, pulled Burns, and technically that was the difference in the game. But I, I think it's it's truly the, the, the Monday morning quarterback and – just really looking back in hindsight, like if if Burns gets Lamano or, or Brannigan out, nobody's saying a single word today about Tony leaving uh, Chase in there too long. Yeah, and I mean, even though I disagree, like I'm not going to crush Tony. I didn't crush him on the radio this morning. I didn't crush him right. on my podcast. And I, you know why I didn't crush him? Because Chase Burns earned it. You know, if Tony believed yes. that that Burns could stay out there and get those guys out, by all means, look at the stat line this year. Let him let him go. I wouldn't have done it, but I mean, hell, Tony knows more about baseball than I do, so. And it's it's just part of it. So I mean, I'm not crushing Tony for that decision. Um, you know, he's he said after the game, post game comments, as you just referenced. You know, he he could go back do some things differently. Maybe he would have, you know, in, in some of those abs. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, Chase Burns is a major reason why you got in this position. And so um, I would have done it differently. But I, I don't I don't hate the decision. And it just kind of is what it is. It, it didn't work out. And, you know, we're, we're going to look back, but I mean, you know, just overreaction, of course, it's fine to be, it's fine to be disappointed, fine to be upset, um, but overreaction and, you know, pointing fingers and all that. I mean, it's, it's always out of control after every single loss, doesn't matter what sporting event it is. Um, I, Tony should not be crushed for this decision. And for the most part, he's not being, you know, the overwhelming, uh, you know, comments that I'm seeing he's not being, but that's not what I'm doing here. I just would have done it differently. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, I'm not trying to jump on your back. I'm, I'm more. So and, and to your point too, there's so social there, media. 
yeah, there are runners left in scoring position, runners left on. I mean, we point to any I – mean, how many times have we talked about this in football, right? I mean, you know, one play can make the difference in the game. It's so cliche. One series can – you know, one possession can make the change in a game. Yeah, you leave batters on early in a ball game, and ultimately it's a two-run game that's a race, and then now you're trailing by three runs. Those come back to bite you. They came back to bite Tennessee. Last week we are applauding Tony for pressing all of the right buttons in the Knoxville Regional. And this weekend, people want to to just make it seem as if it's just a stupid baseball decision. And it was not a stupid baseball decision. That That's my overall point. Fair to critique, fair to disagree, but for a good chunk of people to act like it's just one of the stupidest baseball decisions of all time, that that's where my frustration sets in because it wasn't. It, it actually, there was logic behind the move. And it, as long as there's logic whether you disagree with it or not, I think that's most important. Uh, it's when coaches make decisions with no logic behind it, it is when it rubs me the wrong way, and I just don't think that that was the case. Speak on this real quick. Frank Anderson, in that dugout, does it still play out this way? Uh, I, I would in lean. In terms of the, the moves, yeah. I would lean yes, uh, because I, I think Tony Vitello makes 70% of that decision. Um, maybe it doesn't, uh, that is certainly a, a possibility, but I, I think Frank would have seen the same thing that Tony saw, uh, that, that chase was cruising two outs. He was pitching really, really well. And he, even the two run home run to tie it again, it wasn't a bad pitch. It was more about Lindsey Nelson stadium being Lindsey Nelson stadium than chase Burns making a mistake. So, uh, I, I, I would lean towards yes. Thinking that that Frank would have advised Tony to do the same thing. But uh, regardless, Bullpen, I was going to say, regardless, you want him in that dugout, right? I mean, gosh, it, it, uh, you never, you never not want Frank Anderson there, but that's where that suspension, that suspension came in big. Yeah. I mean, he, he missed two and a half games this weekend and he'll be suspended for the first game of, of next season because Tennessee didn't make it to Omaha. So he can't serve the third game of his suspension this year. So that'll carry over into next season uh but the the pitching it's it's hard not to think that they didn't miss frank anderson in some capacity they had a 5.33 era over the weekend 5.33 era over the weekend to an offense that is 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 probably better than than what we anticipated uh, and look i i said i wonder how notre dame's lineup will look in warmer weather and in a hitter-friendly stadium, and it looked good. It looked better than than we thought it would. I, I do walk away more impressed by Notre Dame's lineup than I anticipated, but it's still not a a super dynamic lineup. It's not the type of lineups that that Tennessee was navigating throughout the regular season in the SEC. And to have a five point three three ERA is very very disappointing. To to give up seven home runs. And six of the seven, like I said earlier, were legitimate home runs. Uh, they hit 272 off of a pitching staff that, in my opinion, was the, the strongest part of this baseball team this season. And it's hard not to think that Tony Vitello, or uh, Frank Anderson, rather, missing two and a half games this weekend didn't have uh, a role in that. Now, granted, Frank was able to be at the stadium up until a certain point, and he, he had plenty of community communication to the coaches and the players leading up to the games so he he was still helping but just who knows how it affects the end game when Tony Vitello has to go out there for a mound visit instead of Frank is Frank saying something differently than Tony like you just 
you just don't know how it plays out. So it's hard not to imagine that the worst weekend of the season for the pitchers when it didn't have its pitching coach for two and a half games, arguably the best pitching coach in the country, hard not to imagine that that did not play a role. And again, it just it's frustrating because the bullpen was not taxed. What what um what Ben Joyce gave you Friday night was huge. Uh, Blake Tidwell, just a, a disastrous start, obviously. You know, we know that we spoke on that. What Joyce gave you Friday nights, um, you know, saved you a little bit. And of course, you didn't really need to give your your key guys in there on Saturday because it was such a blowout. And just at the end of the day, I mean, you uh, I, you know, going into Sunday's game, obviously, uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you were feeling really, really good because you knew that you didn't know who was going to start until obviously before the game, but you knew it was going to be some combination of Cannon Sewell, Chase Burns, Redmond Walsh, uh, Kirby Connell. You had Drew Beam available. I mean, that that is a healthy dose at your disposal, right? And um, the the pitching overall for it to have that ERA with the with the bullpen that was relatively rested and ready to roll, it's frustrating. But I mean, you, you lost two series this year. <laughs> You, you just—it was obviously a bad time to to not play your best baseball, and 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 it cost you obviously. That is a a good way to put it. It was Tennessee's worst weekend of baseball, in my opinion, more so than when they went to Kentucky. Because I, I thought, again, like we talked about at nauseum at the time, I thought the Kentucky weekend was more about the the circumstances, the weather and cold and rainy weather delays and and all that weirdness i I thought that's what contributed to tennessee losing that weekend and and playing poor baseball they didn't have any excuses this weekend they just simply played poor baseball for kind of the first time all season outside of kentucky so that that's what makes it uh super disappointing and and the hitting man i mean we've spent a lot of time talking about the pitching and, and rightfully so. But I, I think you could honestly make the case that the hitting was was just as atrocious, if, if not even worse. They the, hit two for defense on the weekend. The, the defense as well. This was not a good defensive weekend at all. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Were, did, did Tennessee, you know, have two errors in the field on Saturday? I can't remember. I know they had two, at least two on Friday. They had two on Sunday. Um, they didn't have not- one on Saturday. Not 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 a uh, overall not a great defensive effort either in the field. No, uh, it, Tennessee just didn't play baseball. No, Notre yeah. Dame played better this weekend in Tennessee's own stadium, and simply put, Notre Dame is more more deserving to go to Omaha than than Tennessee. So it is what it is. It's uh, unfortunate. Do want to touch on the hitting uh, real quick because some of the the stats are just mind blowing when, when you reflect on the weekend. Uh, do want to throw in some more pain on the pitching side real quick. Tennessee, 49-0 when leading after six innings this season before yesterday. One loss ends the season, and uh, that's just kind of the way it goes. On top of a guy with one home run in 137 at-bats hitting the game-tying home run because he's playing in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That, that <laughs> that's, why, that's why Tennessee fans are, are so crazy. Uh, because said, of, of of things like that continuing to happen, I said this line on my pod. Uh, big fan of Kevin Costner baseball movies. You know, for the love of the game, and one of his lines in that movie is, "We count everything in baseball." Yeah, those stats suck. <laughs> I mean, God, that is that just makes you want to vomit, right? I mean, golly, that's that that's a that's a punch to the stomach. 
Yes. Uh, some of the hitting stats will make you vomit even more. And I, I don't do this to call out individual players, but just more so to, to point out uh, the lack of production that the offense had this weekend. Drew Gilbert did not have a single hit. Blake Burke did not have a hit. Evan Russell had one hit on the weekend. He was one for 13. The one hit was a home run uh, in game two on Saturday when the game was already out of reach after the Jordan Beck home run. I guess somewhat out of reach. It was five to one, made it six one. Uh, it, it was a really nice home run, but Evan goes one for 13 on the weekend. 077 at the plate. Trey Lipscomb, he did have some big hits. Uh, he, he had the the hit, the double, to score Stevenson to get the scoring going on Saturday. He had a two-run double on Friday. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but aside from those two hits, he was three for 14 overall for the weekend with with two strikeouts. Uh, Jarrell Ortega, a couple big hits here and there, but three for 12 on the weekend, hit 250, uh, struck out four times. Uh, Cortland Lawson was two for six which was a 333 batting average, uh, but he struck out four times as well. Uh, and, and outside of Jared Dickey, Luke Lipschitz, Seth Stevenson, and Jordan Beck, really those four guys were, were the only ones who had consistent weekends at the plate. Uh, I think I mentioned Blake Burke did not have a hit. Uh, Christian Moore, one for four. Just not a good weekend offensively outside of Beck, Stevenson, Luke, and Dickey. The the team hit 257. And it, it was just it was it was not good. It, and it was more the the situational hitting that was so frustrating as well. We we talked about it on the podcast after Friday night's game. You you go one for sixteen with runners on base, one for ten with runners in scoring position, and two for eleven with two outs and the offense broke out in game two on Saturday, but then yesterday it was even worse than Friday. They weren't even getting guys on base. And when they did get guys on base, uh, they were two for 14 with runners on one for six with runners in scoring position and one for seven with two outs. It just wasn't good baseball all weekend long. Well, not, not consistently enough. Yeah. I mean, you're, you can't expect to win big time series, big time games, when you're hitting like that and you're not taking advantage of those opportunities, you know, leaving runners in scoring position, putting runners on with less, you know, with no outs or less than two outs, runners in scoring position, not coming through. And even the times that you did when you could have done more, I mean, the game like Sunday is a big example. You know, it could have been a lot more than three, one entering the seventh inning, you know, how much better would you feel if it was five to one entering the seventh inning chase Burns goes out there and you know, the, the cards play the same way that they did and you know he gives up all these home runs and all that but you feel even much 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 better about that because you had a four-run cushion so it just is what it is uh, again that's um a bad a bad weekend to not play good baseball and ultimately just continue to give notre dame credit because i mean they went out there and earned this so i mean this sure tennessee could have played better i recognize that but a lot of that's because of notre dame and that's what tony said post game uh, notre dame had a had a heck of a weekend my concerns with Notre Dame or what scared me about Notre Dame all came true. <laughs> the And it was really just two things. I, I recognize that they had a good pitching staff, and, but I thought that Tennessee would be able to, to still handle the pitching staff because I thought it was good, not great. And I, I thought that played out. I, I was more impressed with the, the Notre Dame lineup this weekend than I was the, the Notre Dame pitching. 
not that the Notre Dame pitching was bad. It's just solid. Good. I mean, it gets the job done, but. And their ace got rattled around on Saturday, of course. Yes. Yeah. It, it was Tennessee and its own self-inflicted wounds. So, like, aside from recognizing the pitching was good, my two concerns were Notre Dame's bats, who have been in weather up north all season long, coming down into the south and playing in a hitter-friendly park. That that certainly paid off for Notre Dame's offense. And then the other thing, the other two things, a bunch of old players for Notre Dame, a bunch of guys who have played a ton of baseball, veterans who weren't going to be rattled by the the atmosphere. They certainly were not rattled by the atmosphere. And then they had the best defense in the ACC, one of the best defenses in the country, and they played great defense all weekend long, taking extra base hit away after extra base hit away. So the the great defense, the veteran presence, and bats from weather up north coming down into the south this time of year, those were the three things, the only three things that I was concerned about this weekend, and all three of those things came true. Yeah, and then you couple that with what we already mentioned about just some of these veterans that just – just quite frankly, didn't show up. I mean, again, Drew Gilbert just didn't show up this weekend, especially at the plate. Evan Russell, not a good week at the plate. Uh, Jarrell Ortega was missing in action a few times. Trey Lipscomb, out, you know, I understand the numbers you read off earlier. He had some big hits. Even Luke yesterday, there was some chances he left two men on base. I thought Luke Lipschitz and Seth Stevenson the last two days played really, really well, obviously. Um, yeah, and Jordan Beck. I mean, Jordan Beck walked twice, was hit by a pitch, 0 for 1 <laughs> yesterday, but um, already homer twice. I think it was four for seven with all that, uh, you know, at one point in time. But there were a lot of guys that were just missing in action, and um, it's a rough way to go out. Yeah, and, and the way I summarized this season, it was one hell of a season. It was a great Tennessee baseball season, one of the best in, in program history. They, they did things that not many other teams have done. They, they went 57 and nine 57 and nine it's, it's a real bummer that it didn't make it to Omaha but it was still a great season uh, I'm not I'm not gonna do the whole championship or bust thing uh it's disappointing right now but I I think you can still find the silver linings and be proud of what Tennessee did did this year and, and celebrate what they did uh, it, it just came to a disappointing end and that's kind of how I will forever summarize it is that it was a a great Really fun season that simply came to a disappointing end to a, a good Notre Dame team that deserved to move on to Omaha more than Tennessee because they played better baseball in Knoxville uh, in what was a terrific atmosphere. Yeah, I, uh, I asked you this question on Around the Horn yesterday, and I said, five, ten years down the line, you know, how are you going to remember this team? And you answered it, and you said the same things here. Um, my answer to this would be the first word that will come out of my mouth Probably it will be disappointments because of the way it ended. And that sounds harsh. I understand that. But of course, just because of the way it ended, but you can't have 57 wins and not have just great memories. This team was so much fun. This team was so good. I still believe this is the best team in the country. Not, I mean, remember, think, think about all the championship winning baseball teams, sometimes football season, football teams, not always in college football, but um, you're the best team and you don't win the championship. The number one overall seed it has not won since 1999. We've talked about that before. So this team was a blast to cover. They were so good. And I, I echo what you said. This is absolutely one of the best teams in program history. You broke a program record for wins, home runs. You won a title. You won a tournament title. 
Um, you host the regionals, you host the supers. Again, there it's it. You must be a world downer if you can't <laughs> if you if you think this season was not fun or it was a complete failure. Absolutely, it was not disappointing. In one hundred percent, that's what I'm going to remember. But also, um, just how good this team was and and how much fun it was to. Uh, watch and cover a little bit and, you know, be a part of this group of guys who had a blast covering it. And, and they, they, and they, and they love the role that they were playing in college baseball. And I think that was, and they were living it. They were walking it every day. And I think that was one of the greatest things about this team. They were cocky. They talked, they owned it and it was a blast. And so um, that that's kind of how I'll remember this team for sure. And Tennessee will reload and they'll be back in the same position next year. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the draft. There, there are some 50-50 guys uh, that could be back, could be gone. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. And, and look, we'll detail all of that coverage on VolQuest.com for sure. But uh, it, it'll be a, another fun ride next year. They'll, they'll return the best starting rotation in the country with Chase Burns and Drew Beam and Chase Dolander. <laughs> that is a good place to start when trying to make another run at it. Uh, you've got Blake Burke, Christian Moore, Jared Dickey coming back for sure in the lineup. Uh, I, I don't think Jarrell Ortega is 100% off uh, to the professional ranks. I, I do think he gets drafted, but I don't think it's a done deal. Seth Stevenson probably back as well, and uh, I think he had a better season than, than most people realize, and that that'll be a good leadoff hitter for Tennessee next year. And they've already added some big-time transfers, uh, and I should say singular in, in Maui Ahuna, the Kansas transfer He's going to be an absolute stud at, at the plate and in the field. Uh, there, there's some other guys that, that they are in great positions to land as well that, that are going to be big-time players. Uh, so it, it'll be another fun season next year, Eric. And, and look, man, I really appreciate you doing the pod with me this year. I had a ton of fun. Hard, hard to think that we've been doing or crazy to think that we've been doing two a week uh, since beginning of February. But uh, I, I enjoyed every every minute of it and Appreciate you doing it with me this year. Dude, anytime, man. I mean, it's um, it's hard to not have fun when you're sitting back talking ball, right? And so I had a blast, and um, I've said it a couple of times this year, and I will leave my, my final thing on this Diamond Vols podcast for this year will be, if you have pitching, you will win games, and Tennessee is returning loads of pitching next year. So uh, let's run it back. It'll be fun. Absolutely. And and look, this is the last Diamond Vols podcast in, in – uh, the particular format that we've been rolling with the last several months during baseball season. Uh, I've, I've got some podcast ideas in my head, so I, I don't know if uh, what the, the Diamond Vols podcast is, is going to look like next year. Uh, and, and look, baseball season is over, but there's still going to be a lot of Tennessee baseball news over the next several weeks. So I'm not saying that this is the, the final, final edition, but it is certainly the, the last one in its current format. And it, it just may look a little bit different uh, because of some of those podcast ideas I have in, in my head. So certainly want to hop on the mic and, and talk about some of these transfer updates, probably do one all at once. Once we have a firm grasp of who all the transfers are going to be and, and break that down, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll do another pod around uh, baseball draft as well at the end of july although that one will be a, a little bit hard for me as i should be a dad for the first time by by then but uh again we'll, we'll be back this is the final one in, in this format and I, I do think next year will look a little bit different but uh we're still going to bring you baseball podcast in in some form or fashion and really enjoyed eric this year and just had an absolute blast and 
thank you so much for for everybody who listened throughout the year and everybody who promoted us and and supported us as as well and uh, just can't thank you enough so for one final time in this format at least he is eric kane i am ben mckee you all have a great summer